This episode of the Weekly Standard Podcast is sponsored by The Great Courses. The Great Courses brings the world's greatest professors to your fingertips with more than 500 courses on science, history, philosophy, fine arts, better living, and more. The Great Courses are available on digital download and streaming or DVD and CD. Best of all, you can listen to or watch The Great Courses at your own pace without the pressure of homework or exams. And now, for a limited time only... The Great Courses is giving our listeners an offer of up to 80% off the original price of selected courses, including the decisive battles of world history. For this limited time 80% offer, go to thegreatcourses.com slash WS to find out more. That's thegreatcourses.com slash WS. Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us on the Weekly Standard is Fred Barnes. And a great piece for the magazine, Fred, what we don't know about 2016. I love the fact that you start off by quoting Hayek, Frederick, not Selma, and yeah. about the things that – you almost sounded a bit um, Don Rumsfeld-esque, the unknown unknowns. Well, there are a lot of them, and my objection is mainly that uh, so much of the coverage about the 216 – the 2016 presidential race on the Republican side, uh, there's this uh, idea that we do know a lot. And we know it from polls. We know it from how much money people have raised. We know it whether they've given a nice speech or not. And what, what uh, everybody are uh, writing about it and talking about it should have learned over the years is that all this stuff that goes on now is not predictive. It just, I mean, I mean, I mean just look back. I cite this example. Uh, which is the most telling one of all. In 2007, just about this time, late April, early May, the ultimate nominees, John McCain on the Republican side, he was totally dead in the water. <laughs> Michael, you remember that. He was, he was gone. He was a gone man. And on the Democratic side, of course, Hillary had it completely locked up. And, and who ever heard of Barack Obama? You know, here's some guy giving one speech at the 2004 Democratic Convention. And how in the world would he have a chance? And Hillary was you know, ahead uh, 10 or 12 to 1 in, in polls. And so I just think uh, people need to take all the coverage, particularly on the Republican side, uh, with a grain of salt, uh, and particularly the polls. And there's so many of them. I mean, I mean somehow <laughs> I mean, polling and polls in the media are something that seems unstoppable. I almost, no, fell, no. Oh, I almost fell over when uh, Fox News over the weekend had a poll showing that Marco Rubio had launched himself into the lead spot. And if I recall correctly, <laughs> he had 13% of the vote. It may have been yeah, 16%, right. but it was something below 20%. Yeah, and I'm thinking to myself, that is so meaningless. Let me ask you, Fred, particularly as a guy who's covered so many races, mm -hmm. one of the things that I have to keep reminding myself is that the campaign, the process of campaigning itself affects all these things. It's hilarious to me for people to act as though the next 18 months of you know, meeting people, giving speeches, spending lots of money will basically have no effect. That it's going to be Clinton versus Jeb and all those literally billions of man hours and dollars will mean nothing. Isn't that kind of silly? Yes, it is kind of silly. And, you know, one thing, uh, I think you touched on something that's uh, going on, and that is, if there's a big event, a big cattle call where a majority or even all of the Republican uh, candidates are real and potential are there, and one person gives the best speech, well then, you know, it's reported how well he's done. This was uh, Scott Walker back in Iowa a month or so ago. This was, I think, uh, Marco Rubio at the event in uh, New Hampshire weekend before last. Uh, and yet these events and these speeches don't mean anything in terms of predicting uh, what's going to happen in 2016. And, it, and I'm not talking about they're not predicting 
what's going to happen in the general election. They're not predictive about the Iowa caucuses or the New Hampshire primary or the Nevada caucuses or South Carolina, uh, all the early events. Let so, me ask you from the Democratic side, though. Is, we have a better idea there. Yeah, is our... Uh, are are the uh, pieces of the Democratic coalition so baked into their support of Hillary Clinton? Are the large structural pieces of the campaign so locked in that she essentially is beyond uh, events to a degree? That unless there's an event that knocks her out, unless there's an event that yep. specifically involves Hillary, she's just going to be the nominee, period. And in fact, her campaign is premised on the idea that it doesn't matter how she campaigns, that the structural strengths can make her president, no matter how lousy a candidate she is. They're right if you believe one thing, and that is most uh, uh, senior Democrats and and those in the in the Democratic political community and lobbyists and uh, and and uh, uh, consultants and candidates and so on. If you believe those people are suicidal, well, then you'll say, hey, uh, Hillary's got it. It's locked in. And the truth is, Michael, they aren't suicidal. They do not want a candidate who is sinking like a stone and doing one thing that I think uh, uh, weakens her, particularly as a presidential candidate, up and above and beyond all the, all, all the scandal over what she did with Ian helping the uh, Clinton Foundation, or unless you believe it's all the things were just a coincidence, and, and, the, uh, and the deleted emails and Benghazi and all those things. Um, if you believe those are inconsequential, then, then the heck with it. Uh, but if you think those things are important and that she really is sinking and that she won't face reporters, uh, some woman who wants to be president and says she's qualified and she's tough, she won't <laughs> answer questions, appear before reporters. And so who are they sending out? They're sending out Lanny Davis. They're sending out some woman I've never heard of called Mara Pally or Polly over the weekend. They're doing all the things that the Clintons always do when they're in trouble. And, and one of them, of course, is to have the, uh, people come out and answer questions that haven't been asked. Yeah, I don't want to say – I don't, yeah, I don't want to say that Clinton's team is a throwback to the past, but when they had the cast of Friends come out to defend her, I thought that was maybe a slightly telling sign. <laughs> um, but I want to ask, okay, but so, so let's go back to the Republicans, and you, you picked up sure. on a Hayek sports analogy about looking mm -hmm. at the, you know, the, the stats about the individual players' muscles, et cetera, yeah. as opposed to looking at the players yeah. themselves. And I want to put a sports analogy to you, which is, that okay. there are college players who really prosper at college ball. They're great, uh, Tim mm -hmm. Tebow example. Mm -hmm. But then they get to the pros, and it's a different game, and it's hard to look forward. Other college players, however, get to the pros, and they excel you know, across the board. As mm -hmm. you look, knowing that these candidates really haven't entered the pro level of the campaign yet, it hasn't gotten to that point. If you had to predict, setting aside where the polls look today, setting aside mm -hmm. everything except for what you see as their fundamental skill set, if you will, to mm -hmm. use the sports analogy, who are the Republican candidates that you think have the skills to play at the presidential national level? Mm -hmm. Well, I'd have to say in the first place, at this moment, uh, so far before the first event, even the first uh, uh, voting event, but even well before four months before or so before the first uh, debate, which is August 15th, uh, that is unknowable. But just looking at these candidates and having seen a number of them over the years, I, I think there are three or four who qualify. One is obviously Jeb Bush, was a great governor, has been around a long time, could easily and has put together an organization and can raise all the money he needs. I think Marco Rubio is uh, of the younger candidates, uh, the, uh, the most impressive, and a guy who is very bold. You know, look, 
he, he's giving up his Senate seat uh, to run for president. Uh, uh, others in the Senate aren't doing that because they have a great fallback. Because Rand Paul does, Ted Cruz does, uh, Lindsey Graham does. Any of those guys, if they don't win the Republican nomination, uh, they'll be senators still, which is uh, not too bad. So you do have those two. And Scott Walker has such an impressive record in Wisconsin uh, that I think he has to be considered um, a, a candidate who fits that bill. And and partly because of all the all the funders that of campaigns and uh, conservatives with uh, uh, an important amount of money uh, look extremely favorably on uh, Scott Walker. They really like him. A number of them were really pumped out a lot of money when he was uh, facing a recall election and helped him a lot there. So a number of them have been committed to him in the past and will be in the future. So I don't know. Those three had my list. And in truth, you know, when you ask candidates, uh, just regular Republicans, as I did when I was in New Hampshire weekend before last, who they're for, they said, well, I'll give you my top three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's the way so many people think now. Well, sure. in terms of candidates who I think really have a future uh, and can play at a higher level than they're playing at now, I think those three, uh, Bush, uh, Rubio, and Walker are probably the three. And, and, you know, others have written the same thing, I believe. Uh, but, again, I'm guessing. Right, you exactly. Know, and that's candidates. what I want, that, that's the, to me, that's a good place to kind of wrap up. Is I want to give you two names to, sh- to, mm-hmm. to kind of reveal, I think, okay. how the process of the campaign itself gives people opportunities. One is Scott yeah. Walker. I think Scott mm-hmm. Walker is that hot prospect that people think can really play at the top level, but mm-hmm. they're waiting to see. They're not yeah. making a commitment. They're not saying, I'm with Walker no matter what. They just think, oh my gosh, you take this record, you take his geography, you take his laid back, calm down style, very anti right. the drama of the last eight years. And the other person is Bobby Jindal, who's a guy that I think people have written off because they think, you know, sure, fine governor, smart guy, young guy, but he has the opportunity if he can make magic happen, if he can show, look, here I am, watch me perform, I think Mm -hmm. he can make himself a top-tier candidate, and that's why it's so important for us, for the Republicans not to do what they've done every year since 1988, which is to pre-nominate someone early on Mm -hmm. and have the establishment essentially shove him down everyone else's throat. I agree with everything you've just said, but I would add one candidate uh, who has been dismissed, although some people say he's uh, he's now having a comeback. I say a comeback from what I'm talking about. Obviously, Chris Christie, the New Jersey governor. And uh, Chris Christie's day will come, will come on August 15th as a debater. Now, I don't know how they're going to winnow down the crowd of 18 candidates and get it down to seven or eight to have a nationally televised debate, but it will have a gigantic Republican audience. One thing, one thing that I do believe is true that's going on now is tremendous interest on the part of one, the Republican activist class, and two, just general uh, average Republicans around the country. Enormous interest in this race. They are so eager to see Obama gone and are, and are particularly concerned in finding somebody who can beat him. You know, one thing that Frank Lentz told me in doing uh, focus groups, small ones and big ones, is that people, when you ask, what's more important, ideology or electability? Electability wins 10 to 1. Republicans want to elect a candidate uh, in 2016, and so Chris Christie can make his move in the first debate, August 15th, I believe, in Cleveland. If he doesn't, well, it may be harder for him later, but but you never know. Uh, but and Bobby Jindal, who everybody has dumped on, was very good, and at least in his speech in New Hampshire, very very good, very appealing. And of course, 
he's very smart. And Fred Barnes, we are lucky to catch up with you because you're very smart about what's going on in 2016. Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard Podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.